Welcome to the Commercial Disco, a voyage of commercial discovery. This episode is proudly brought to you by CSIRO, Australia's national science agency and innovation catalyst. Explore the commercialization of great ideas across deep tech and science. Immerse yourself in conversations with the ambitious minds shaping Australia's unique innovation landscape. Discover their insights into what's needed to bring these remarkable ideas to life. Hello and welcome to the Commercial Disco. I'm James Riley, Editorial Director at InnovationOz.com. Today I'm talking to Kwa Lee, Founder and Chief Executive Officer at Eyes of AI. Kwa, great to have you here. Thanks, James. Nice to be here. All right. Look, we are going to start with a description of your startup. Eyes of AI, what's your product? What's the problem you're trying to solve? And where are your customers? Yeah, so basically, Eyes of AI is developing next-generation AI technology capable of detecting granular anatomical structures and diseases in 2D and 3D X-ray images, including your smaller images like your bite wings, your periapricals, and the bigger images like the panoramic OPGs. Sorry, panoramic OPGs, which stands for? So OPG stands for orthopantomograms. They're a uh, radiograph which captures the panoramic view of the uh, teeth and jaw. Right, okay. So effectively, the startup, it's a health tech. It uses 3D imagery to make diagnoses, is that? Yeah, so basically it segments the images into anatomical landmarks. So it segments the 2D as well as the 3D images into segmentations. And it also detects a variety of pathologies in both the 2D and 3D X-ray formats. All right, and you are you're an Australian startup? That's exactly right, yeah. All right, and your customers are where? Our customers are global. So they're in Korea, they're in Europe, they're in America, they're in Asia. All right, and it's a software as a service or is there hardware attached to this? Yeah, so it's software as a service. We've got both online offering as well as an offline offering. Okay, and you're 2019, have I got that right? Yeah, so we incorporated in 2020. So basically, we've been in operation for about three years now. Okay, so how's business? What do you look like now? Yeah, so we're a group of about 40 people at the moment. We span across 15 countries. We hire top-tier talent, so we really do search for talent internationally. We do have a core team based in Sydney, which comprises of you know medical and dental professionals, AI engineers, and technical experts, among other staff. Wow. Okay. So you're definitely on your way. People know who you are around the world. Where are your initial market success, I think, has been in dentistry? Is that your first? Yeah, that's right. So our technology is focused in the dental industry. So we analyze the dental x-rays, including those x-ray types I mentioned before. So initially, we're going to focus on dentistry. But later on, there's a possibility of using our IP and our knowledge of computer vision and analyzing x-rays to expand into other areas, potentially, yeah, a lot of other health areas that we can explore at a later stage. Okay, so just talk me through training the AI. I assume you had to have access to a huge amount of data, photographs, x-rays. Yeah, that was one of the biggest challenges in the actual project is obtaining ethically the amount of data needed. 
because we include images like the cone beam CTs, the 3D images, it's quite a large file. And to capture the um, diverse amount needed to capture, you know, the variations in demographics, in race, in age, in gender was quite challenging. So we had to look internationally for that. And that included several countries. Yeah. So now I take it that AI keeps learning as you progress. Is there a network effect based on the customers that you sign up? Yeah. So we're developing a uh, closed loop AI algorithm protocol where as you upload the images, we verify whether or not that's a accurate, what we call ground truth. And if that's the case, then it gets fed into the AI and then any improvements in the accuracy metrics means that the model gets updated. So our AI continuously learns as we feed it more data. So as we progress, as we uh, develop further and further, our AI, our predictions are just going to get more and more accurate. So that's something that we're really excited about. And it's something that we've invested heavily in. We've collaborated with CSIRO on this project, and they've been amazing in giving us the AI engineers required to achieve the milestones that we've managed to achieve. And is that an ongoing thing? Of those 40 employees that you have, the initial development work around the AI was in Australia. All were they with CSIRO, or you've got a chunk of expertise outside of that? Yeah, so we've got our AI engineers internally as well as a team within the CSIRO Data61 team. So we've got about six people within the Data61 team who work with us. And then we've got about, I think about seven people internally with our AI engineers. So there's a big team focusing heavily on developing those AI models. Okay, so I want to ask you this. What's it like to start a deep tech company in Australia? I mean, that sounds like an incredible support or certainly resource in being able to collaborate with Data61 in the way that you have. But what's it like setting up a deep tech in this country? Um, it's been both challenging and rewarding, to be honest. You know, there, there are a lot of challenges that, you know, we've had to go through and I've had to go through personally. Um, I think if I had to flag one challenge, it would be recruiting, just getting our team up to where it needs to be to be a, a world leader. And, you know, we've done so many interviews and, you know, we've had to talk to so many people. You know, there's a lot of knowledge out there. There's a lot of knowledge internationally, but areas like machine learning and data science and medical imaging is still growing in Australia. So, you know, we've had to look overseas for this specific expertise. Yeah, so that's probably the biggest challenge for, for me and, and for the company. So just on that, when you say looking overseas, that's bringing people with the requisite skills into the country to work with your team, or you're working remotely or a bit of both? Yeah, a bit of both. So um, primarily we're working remotely. We have people from 15 countries. Yeah, so we do work around the clock. We have really funny working hours. We have meetings at like 1am in the morning, Sydney time. So it's quite a normal thing for us. Weekends, also a lot of meetings as well. But it works. It works because everyone's so passionate about, you know, where we're going and the traction that we're getting in the market. So that's the exciting bit, just the traction and the momentum that we're getting, the excitement within the team. Okay, so talk to me about that. I mean, if you get any sleep at all as the founder of a company with staff in 15 countries, when you wake up in the morning, do you go to your dashboard and, and see, well, who signed up with us today? Yeah, so I roll over and I look at the, um, the computer and I see, you know, how many people have stayed up all night and, and what they've produced. So it's definitely around the clock. But like I said, everyone's really excited. Okay, now what about on the business side, raising capital? 
in this country, who's interested in the specific area that you're into? We haven't gone to the VCs at this stage. We've raised two rounds of funding so far, and they've been mainly from clinicians who believe in our product. So we've raised $2.3 million over the past year from clinicians who we know and who are in our kind of circle. So they've literally come on board as first customers and funders, effectively? Yeah, so they've been prototyping. They've been assisting us prototype the initial technology and models, but they've also provided funding for us to develop as well. So it's validation that we are going down the right path because they're acknowledging that this is what the industry needs, but they're also putting money and they're also backing us to to make a difference here in Australia as well as internationally. Well, I guess that's uh, worth their weight in gold for um, people who have an interest like that. I'm talking to Kwa Lee, founder and CEO at Eyes of AI. I've looked at your background. Why did you do this? It's not a straightforward career move. Obviously, starting a startup is a tough grind. But beyond that, you've sort of come out of professional services at one point. What's the motivation? Yeah, I think my motivation was to have something tangible, so to make a, a real impact. And before this, I started a, a charity to build schools. So I do enjoy the um, fact that I'm developing something, I'm producing something tangible. And this also aligns with the skill set that I have, but also the, the kind of needs that my brother has. So my brother's a dentist and he's always complaining about having to analyze x-rays. And before I started getting into this dental industry, I didn't know much about dentistry apart from knowing how to code and knowing how to program AI algorithms. So it kind of developed naturally. It was kind of like a need that my brother wanted. And um, yeah, so it just gradually happened. And, um, and here we are three years later. So your background is actuarial studies, masters in finance, but your professional work is obviously in coding and AI and machine learning, and that's your speciality. So where did you learn the skills that you're putting at the pointy end right now? Is that university taught or is this just self-learned, you know, that driven interest? AI is essentially mathematics. So there's a lot of calculus. There's a lot of maths and statistics behind developing AI algorithms. I started out in treasury in the quantitative analysis team. So I've always had that kind of quant background, developing economic financial models. And so switching over from the quantitative background into AI development was, was fairly easy. And coding for me was fairly easy as well. So it was a natural progression from calculus statistics to programming the initial prototypes for Eyes of AI's algorithms. We focus on this podcast on commercial enterprise and uh, you know looking at commercially successful outcomes of which your company is well on the way. But we also look at government policy and the kinds of policies around the ecosystem that have been helpful or otherwise to companies like yours. So when you look at programs that are available to a company like yours, what has been helpful along the way? The initial New South Wales MVP grant was extremely helpful. So starting out, obviously, we didn't have that much funding. And the government grant, like the New South Wales MVP grant, really got us moving. So that allowed us to expand a little bit more. But I think the biggest impact was from the support made through the CSIRO Kickstart program, which is an initiative for Australian startups and SMEs like us. 
So essentially what they did was they provided funding and support and access to CSIRO's Data61 team. And their talent pool is amazing. Their AI engineers is, is pretty much the top in Australia. So with them on board, we were able to grow quite significantly and develop our businesses. So the funding from CSIRO and the talent that they provided was massive for us. So just for our listeners, for listeners out there who are looking at starting their own company, or maybe they already have, how did you engage with CSIRO? What was the process? First of all, which you heard that this Kickstart program was available, but then, you know, what was the process for getting on board and making the most of that? Yeah, the process was filling out an application to show there was a market need and also showing how far we've come. I think it was important for us to demonstrate that we're passionate and this is something that, you know, we can do. Because I think, you know, demonstrating that we do have a prototype, demonstrating that given the opportunity, we can make this a, a massive success is something that was quite important. So filling out the applications and demonstrating those two key points and then having further conversations with CSIRO and then them engaging us on particular points meant that we progressed fairly fast in the process. And then once that program comes to an end, do you maintain a relationship with CSIRO under a fee-for-service basis or something along those lines? And do they also potentially become a source of venture capital through the adjacent main sequence fund or through business development consulting advice? Yeah, so um, we've been put in contact with Main Sequence, so we're hopefully going to have a chat with Main Sequence and talk about investments from their fund very soon. So that's something on the agenda. But in terms of future collaborations with CSIRO, there's an opportunity to do another CSIRO Kickstart program because they allow two Kickstart programs. But there's also the opportunity to go down the path of a fee-for-service route. So that's something that we can consider as well. But CSIRO is a collaboration that we value significantly. And um, we work with Dr. Dong Wang, who is the head scientist there in the computer vision team. And he's been amazing with so much experience. He's enabled us to get us to where we are. And our technology has been recognized for two awards, the uh, I Awards. So we won the Business Solutions in New South Wales, and we received a Merit Recipient Award for the technology platform. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, oh, thanks. And then um, we received Merit Awards for the Business Solutions and the Merit Award for the technology platform nationally as well. So that's four awards from iAwards in the past three months. So all the hard work from this collaboration is starting to be recognized as well. So. We're very grateful for CSIRO's collaboration. Wow. Okay. Oh, well, that's good news. Tell me, in terms of expansion, how do you decide internationally where to put your focus? And I don't even know if there's a number big enough here, but the addressable market, everyone needs a dentist, but the addressable market that you're looking at, have you tried to quantify that? What does it look like? Yeah, so the total addressable market is estimated to be $14.9 billion. And the global dental market is valued at $433 billion in 2022. So it's quite significant. I would say so. Internationally, there's about 1.6 million dentists who take about 1.4 billion x-rays annually. Right. Okay. So there's the addressable market. Where do you put your resources when you go out into the world? How do you work out specifically where are we going to put our dollars first to get a maximum bump? 
Yeah, so it's about the distribution strategy and um, we thought about this long and hard and um, because we're a startup, we don't have unlimited funds. We had to take the path of, I guess, in a way, least resistance. So we've opted to go for the equipment manufacturers. So the manufacturers of these x-ray machines and they've been a good pathway for us to distribute globally and attaching our AI technology to their manufacturing image viewer has been something that we're investing significantly in and that's a strategy that's really worked for us it's allowed us to get into a lot of countries very fast and that's opposed to going to the clinicians the radiologists separately because it is a a quite a a fragmented marketplace and the workforce would need to get to everyone would just be enormous so after thinking long and hard and strategizing for a long time, it's been a focus on the original equipment manufacturers or OEMs. All right. You're currently headquartered in Australia, in Sydney. The bulk of your sort of R&D work done in Australia will be with some remote work. What's the longer term prognosis, if you like, of where you are based? Does it get to a point where you sort of have to be offshore, either closer to the equipment manufacturers or closer to the clinician customers? Yeah, we definitely will expand and establish offices closer to the OEMs in Korea, in France, in Europe, in Germany, as well as in Japan. So um, we'll establish um, some offices there so we can work closer with those OEMs. But it's not necessary at this stage. We're finding that meetings via Skype and via Google Meets is sufficient for now. I think the most important thing, though, is to have a head office where all our clinicians can discuss the pathologies in more detail. So that's something that is on the agenda as well and something that we're looking at very closely. I want to ask you about the regulatory environment here in Australia. I'm sure regulatory environments differ around the world. So coming out of Australia, is there any kind of competitive advantage in having a relatively strict environment in which to generate your product? Does it prepare you for offshore markets? Yeah, Australia's strict healthcare regulations may be complex to navigate, but once they're cleared, they do serve as a seal of approval. You know, we do get viewed as more reliable and it does enhance our credibility amongst our our stakeholders. And sometimes it makes it easier to engage with medical professionals and institutions overseas. Australia is seen as that kind of gold standard. And on top of that, Australia's regulations are often in line with international standards like the FDA in the US and the CE in Europe. So compliance at home means it's easier to access the foreign markets. Yeah, it's interesting. In startup land, I think we always uh, tend to look at regulation is bad. We get out of the way. We're trying to do stuff. But there are certain industries and certain circumstances where a good, solid regulatory environment does actually set you up for offshore. Look, Kwali, thank you so much for being on the Commercial Disco. I want to finish up with this one. You said one of the main challenges that you've had is around just access to talent. Now, that difficulty in getting really top-tier AI coding, machine learning talent, I would think is only going to get harder as everyone is looking to AI. So just around talent, any suggestions for government What's a quick fix that will enable you know, companies like yours to get access to this kind of top-tier talent? Yeah, so additional funding around supporting uh, businesses like ours engage with younger developers, younger AI engineers is quite important. So for us, we're investing in PhD programs with Sydney University 
So we're sponsoring a student there. And it's something that we're focused on because we know that as talent is going to be taken up by other companies, we need to invest in the upcoming AI engineers so that, you know, once they finish, they understand our product, they're familiar with what we do, and they join our company and grow with us. So any additional funding, any additional support around those programs would be highly beneficial for companies like ours. Well, very interesting, like an industry support program that you get a PhD student gets produced at the end in this area of strategic need, but who's working with an industry partner on the way through. It's got to be a perfect outcome. Yeah, exactly. I think we need to do that to be competitive on the global market because internationally, other countries are investing heavily in their youth as well. So um, as we go forth into the future, there's going to be a lot of AI companies and there's going to be a massive drain. So I think it's something that government needs to look at. It's something that policies needs to be implemented now uh, for us to be competitive into the future. Wonderful. Kwa Lee, founder and chief executive officer at Eyes of AI. Thank you so much for being on. We're going to keep an eye on you and I wish you all the best for the business in the future. Fantastic. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Commercial Disco podcast, proudly brought to you by CSIRO. Don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you heard us. For the latest on tech, innovation and public policy, visit innovationoz.com. And stay connected with us on social media to ask questions or suggest future guests. Until next time, this is the Commercial Disco wishing you an inspired week ahead.